Welcome to the Mount Olive Baptist Church podcast. I'm Pastor Carl Stokes, and we appreciate you being here today with us. Our desire is to preach the Word of God effectively and clearly so that you can understand God's desire for you in your life. Dear Gracious Father, Lord, we just thank You so much for Uh, this beautiful day that You've given us to study Your Word. And Lord, You've allowed us to have another moment to draw in a breath. That You've allowed our hearts to beat one more day, one more moment, that we might rejoice at Your presence in our life, that we might exalt You and worship You for the love that You have given us so freely. We praise You and we exalt You, Lord, for Your great goodness, the abundance of Your love. And Lord, we praise You so much for this wonderful gift of Your Holy Word, that we would know all the things that You've done for us, that we would know and and understand Your desire for our life. Lord, there's so much that we must learn. God, we pray that You would give us encouragement, Lord, that you would give us uh, a desire to continue to, to grow and to, and to walk in your way. Lord, bless this time. May your word be uh, manifest in our lives. Lord, I pray that you would uh, allow us to hear you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Turn with me once again to the book of Ephesians. We have gotten into a section of Ephesians where we are in the process of learning what it means to... uh, We've learned what it meant to be a Christian. We've learned what it means to to have a relationship with Christ. We've learned uh, the importance and the significance of what Christ has done for us. And now we're in the process of actually taking it and applying it to our lives. We're taking it and understanding the application and, and understanding the, uh, the mechanics of how we do that. And so often we get so wrapped up and, and well, we do this, this, and this that we fail to, to take the appropriate time to, uh, to prepare and to get ready uh, I, I uh, saw on the internet this past week as I was looking at the news and I was looking at different things that are going on about uh, a woman who uh, attempted to run a marathon, you know, a marathon's 26 miles, uh, and this woman uh, attempted to run a marathon without any training, without any preparation, without any uh, uh, instruction on how she should do it. She just decided one day to put on a pair of sneakers and get on her uh, jogging togs, and she uh, got out there with the rest of the people that were going to run the marathon, all these people that had prepared, all these people who had trained, and all these people who had uh, understanding and knowledge of what they were doing, and she attempted to run 26 miles without any training, without any preparation. How far do you think she got? <laughs> 
Well, I don't. I didn't even read the article to know that she didn't get very far. I mean, she didn't look. And what was even worse was she didn't even look like a person that was athletically inclined. We'll just put it uh, 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 kindly that way. She was not the type of person that that looked like. She didn't have a runner's physique. Put it that way. Uh, she she was amply blessed by the abundance of this world. And she uh, she was just somebody that looked like she had been uh, sitting on a couch for the last uh, uh, year and a half, two years uh, uh, in this COVID uh, thing. And she decided one day to get up and run a marathon. Now, uh, we can attempt to do the same kind of thing in our Christian walk and have the same kind of results. The same kind of pitiful results is, is you get up, you, you say, well, I'm going to be a Christian. I'm going to uh, uh, start living like I'm supposed to live. And you get to, and you say, well, I've done the hard part. I've gotten saved, so uh, I'm at least in the race. So I'm going to just go ahead and start running. And you're going to find that you're going to face the same kind of disappointment, the same kind of struggles, the same kind of, of hindrances to continue in the race as this, this uh, dear woman did in trying to attempt. Now she had, uh, the, the lady that ran the marathon, she had good intentions. She had a, a, a good uh, heart. She had a, a noble cause that she was running for. She had uh, all the right uh, uh, intentions within her heart and mind and and she still failed and fell flat on her face in terms of uh, metaphorically uh, and we metaphorically can fall flat on our face as Christians if we have all good intentions, have uh, have uh, all desire to, to fulfill and desire to do what God wants us to do and yet if we're not prepared, if we're not uh, uh, trained, if we're not instructed in how we should live, what we should live, it, it's like that, uh, that illustration that I give so often about uh, uh, sinning. Uh, or doing right, you know, you can't take a bow and arrow and and draw back and and shoot an arrow, and then after it lands wherever it lands, go out there and draw a couple of circles around it and say, okay, yeah, I met the mark, I hit the I hit the bullseye, see, right, right here, I hit it. You, you you don't do it that way. You set up the the goal. You set up the 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 bullseye. You set up the the intended mark and you train, you do your best, your utmost to hit the mark with that arrow rather than waiting until after you shoot there to decide where the bullseye is going to be. We as Christians have to train, we have to prepare, we have to know what God intends of us or else we, uh, we're, we're just running about, flailing about, not knowing where we're supposed to go, what we're supposed to do, how, how we're supposed to live. What are we, yeah, we see the goal, we see the goal which is Jesus Christ, we see the intention of uh, uh, and, and instruction to be like Christ, but how we get there if we don't know what it takes to get there. Well, we've got the Holy Spirit. Yeah, we've got the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit guides and directs us, but if you don't listen to the Holy Spirit, if you don't listen to the instruction of God, you're still going to be running around without a clue. 
And so that's what the book of uh, Ephesians has been. It's been instruction as to, okay, here's what we've got. This is what we have. God has set out a plan for us. We have, He has been working in us to, to redeem us, to uh, allow us to be a part of the inheritance of Jesus Christ. He's been doing this from the very existence of, of uh, before time ever existed, a plan for us predestined us to to have a relationship with Him. Now that we have a relationship with Him, we are now looking at uh, getting in the race, doing what what is necessary. And we've looked at the lowly walk. We've looked at the humble lifestyle that we need to have. Let me remind you of of the passage of scripture that we're at. Look, uh, Ephesians chapter four, first, uh, first couple of verses. It says, therefore. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherein you are called. And we've been doing that. We've been looking at the the uh, the worthy walk. The what does it mean to have a worthy walk? How do we live that worthy walk? With all lowliness and meekness and long suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit of the bond of peace. And that's where we've been for the last couple of weeks. And we've been talking about that lowly walk, that, that lifestyle, that life of, of, of uh, walking worthy of, of what God has called us to, to walk. And so we come to this and we understand there's uh, certain steps that we have to take in order to prepare us, ourselves for the task of of walking worthy. Now, uh, this young lady, uh, we'll go back to the the illustration of her running the marathon. Uh, she thought all she had to do was put on some shoes, get on uh, so uh, proper uh, attire, clothing, uh, put on one of them numbers that says that she's uh, registered as a runner in the race, and start running. And unfortunately, she stepped about. Uh, she probably skipped about twenty steps in terms of, of being prepared. She didn't uh, take any time to regulate her diet uh, to prepare her body. She didn't take any time of of running uh, shorter distances to get accustomed to uh, the task of running. She didn't uh, do any consultation with a, a runner in terms of learning strategy and how to run and how to uh, to continue to run in the race when things get tough and difficult. She didn't do anything to prepare her body or prepare prepare herself mentally for the, the arduous task of running the race. And so what we need to understand is there's proper steps to uh, preparing ourselves to living uh, the life that God has us to live, to live, to walking worthy. And so we have to do these things before we actually do the other stuff. These are things that we need to do in preparation. He says you need to uh, walk with all humility or lowliness and meekness and long-suffering or uh, uh uh, uh, we talked about the fact that uh, long suffering is another uh, word for uh, patience uh, and endurance in in the task, uh, forbearing one another in love, and and uh, the last step is love. And so we're going to look at these uh, things in 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 a little bit more in depth. And today I want to talk about uh, humility. 
Humility is something uh, we talked about uh, the other week about the fact that if you think you've got there, you have just found out you're not there. You can't say, well, oh, look, I'm a humble person. Oh, you're not humble any longer because you already uh, disqualified yourself as being humble. Humility is is uh, is a state of mind that so many people aspire to or try to get to, never understand. Oh, how do we get there? How do we have a humble life? How, how do we have a humility in our life? How do we resist the things that cause us not to be humble? And, and so, one the first thing I want us to understand is humility is a state of mind and a state of heart that is not a position that we tend to gravitate to or to remain in or to try and stay in. We tend to, and we live in a world and a life where it's all about me, at least right now in our society, in our world. It's all about me. It's all about what I choose to be, what I choose and I want, and I, I this and I that. And, uh, uh, it's not a matter of, of who I am in terms of, of what God has assigned for us. It seems like everything in the world is pointing to the fact that, uh, that no, 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 you get to decide everything. You decide uh, who you are. You decide. Uh, and, and to be honest, I never decided that my hair would go this far back, Okay. I never decided that. I decided my hair to, hairline to be right here. Does that change the fact that it's not right there? No, it doesn't. I decided for me to be, uh, uh, well, to be quite honest, if I was uh, the, uh, if my body weight and my si- uh, height was, uh, was in proportion, I probably should be about seven foot four, but I'm not. Um, and you can work on certain things, but there's other things you just cannot change. You can try. I mean, they sell all kinds of bottles and potions and all kinds of things to change hair color, to change hair length, to change uh, uh, hair uh, type. Uh, and, and I've always found it funny. So funny. Uh, girls that have straight hair want curly hair. Girls who have curly hair want straight hair. It just doesn't... We're not ever satisfied with what we got, are we? It just seems like we've got to learn that we are who we are because of what God created us to be. But humility is not about that either. Humility is about understanding a, cer- a few certain things. And, and whenever we realize that we need to be more humble. We need to first understand who we are in in our relationship to God. And the first thing that, that you have to understand is, is how much of a sinner that you are. Uh, so I, you cannot be humble if you're that uh, blessed Christian in the church that says, well, I never sin. I never have... Oh, preacher, you preached a good sermon. You let them have it really good this week. Uh, I'm so glad I was here to hear you tell all them other people how much they needed to get their heart and life right. Now, that's not humility. Humility is first understanding how depraved and how, uh, uh, how great a sinner that we are. And so often we we tend to to want to uh, pat ourselves on the back about all the things that we do and all the things that we've 
accomplished and all the things that that we're avoiding, <coughs> all the while forgetting all the things that called us, that caused us to sin, and caused us to fall into depravity and in our relationship to God. I know uh, Christians aren't supposed to be, and we talked a little bit about this in Sunday school about. Uh, 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 this push uh, in our association to try and reach people that have ha- have addictions and problems, uh, and and the reality is, is uh, we make out like nobody in the church ever has a problem with drugs. Nobody in the church ever has problems with alcohol. Nobody in the church ever has problems with uh, uh, promiscuity. Nobody in the church ever has problems with uh, uh, with uh, stealing and and. Uh, breaking the law and in terms of, of taking what doesn't belong to them. Nobody in the church. And you just go down the list and it seems like uh, people on the outside of the world look at us in the church and they want to uh, claim that, and because uh, we try and put up a veneer, we put up a, as if uh, we're, we've already attained everything. We're all perfect. and We have a, a right relationship with God like we're supposed to. And would that we did... But the problem is, we're just like those uh, Pharisees that Jesus said, uh, you, you are like whitewashed tombs. You, you worry about what everybody else sees and all the, all the while you're decaying inside and all that you are is just decayed bones. We act like we've got everything in control. Oh, do I have a problem with that? Oh, no, 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 I don't have a problem with that. Do you have a problem with this? Oh, no, 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 I don't have a problem with that. And we make out like we're just so perfect that we never sin. Humility is understanding that, yes, we still have a problem. And look, if nothing else, look at where, how far God has brought us from the depravity of being so wrapped up in sin. Well, I, uh, you know, uh, I, I love the fact that, that a lot of people got saved as, as little children. I was saved as a young child. And, and uh, part of the issue with that is, is that, well, I, uh, I, I listen to testimonies of people that have been on drugs or been a part of a gang or, or lived their life and, and did all this uh, you know, uh, all this depravity and sinfulness and God tr- uh, miraculously transformed their life. And yes, what a wonderful story. But I, I, I've been just as depraved and just as... Uh, no, I didn't get in, involved in drugs. No, I didn't get involved in alcohol. No, I didn't go out and steal and, and, and curse. But then Jesus comes along and He says... Listen, if you think you got this whole thing of, of uh, not committing adultery all wrapped up, he says, if you just look upon a woman in lust, you've committed adultery. You think you, you, you're better than everybody else because you didn't murder somebody? He says, if you have anger and hatred towards your brother in your heart, you've committed murder within your own heart. Already, it's as if you've already done that. If you, yes, you haven't gone out and, and stolen your neighbor's uh, fancy car or or repos- uh, taken possession of his home, but every time you drive by and you sit there and you think about, oh, how wonderful it would be to have that home and and do everything that you in your power to to have what 
somebody else is, is called covetousness in the Bible. When you, when you desire to have what other people have so much that you do all kinds of stuff in order to try and attain it yourself, it's as if you've stolen it already within your heart. And so we're all sinners. The beginning of, of humility, the beginning of, of having a humble heart is, is realizing your place, realizing your sin, realizing that sinfulness that you have. And most of us understood that and, and realized that when we came to know Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. The Holy Spirit convicts us in our hearts. The Holy Spirit says, look, look at the sin that's in your life. Look at the things you're doing wrong. The Holy Spirit's task is to draw us to Jesus Christ as our Savior because of the fact that we understand and know how much of a need that we have for a Savior because of our sin, because of all the things that we've done. The Bible tells us that all of us have pulled back that bow and missed the mark. We've all sinned and fallen short of God's glory. So that's the first step in humility, understanding how utterly depraved that we are. And yet God loved us so much that He sent His only begotten Son that whosoever should believe in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. Understanding and knowing that, that God loved us before, even while we were yet sinners. So understanding our own position, our own place. Second thing is to understand and know uh, the tremendous love of Jesus Christ and understanding what all He gave up in order for us to have salvation. Here's God, the Son, who is there, uh, who, who has been, uh, who is a part of the Trinity. He's God, the Son. He, he's co-equal with God the Father and God the Holy Spirit. And He's created all that is. He has so much power that all He has to do is say, light. And, he had, and there's light. And let the earth come forth. And there's all of a sudden the earth. He creates all that is and in all of His glory and all of His majesty and all the, the angels and all the beings of the heavens and, and all of the stars that He created are singing out His praises to Him. And the Bible tells us that He didn't find it worthy to, to stay there in all of that glory, but rather instead humbled Himself into the form of a human, in the form of a servant, that He might give His life for us. Secondly, to have humility is to understand all that God, the Son, gave up to become Jesus and to walk this earth and to pay my price that I owed for my sin. Paid your price that you owe for your sin. Thirdly, is to understand and know the proper place of God the Father. God the Father loved us so much that before all of creation was made, before all of, before even God the Son said, let there be light. 
before any of all of that, He determined that He would give of Himself for our sins. That He would love us so much that He would give the ultimate sacrifice. That He would allow His creation to strike Him on the face. To spit at Him. To curse at Him. That's how humility begins. And so we, we understand and know what humility is now. And how we ha- He says that we are to have all lowliness and meekness. We need to understand that understanding and knowing... Uh, <coughs> excuse me. What humility is, then we need to understand that there are certain areas of our life that work against having humility. Now, I'm going to just go through these real quick because there's quite a few of them and we don't have a whole lot of time left. But uh, first of all, a lot of times we have difficulty with pride in what we can do, the things that we're able to do, the things that we're able to accomplish in ourselves, And a lot of times that, uh, that is related to our job and the things that we accumulate with, uh, with our work or, or maybe it has to do with our ability in terms of our, our athleticism or our lack of athleticism and our maybe excelling in, in mathematics or excelling in something else. Our abilities many times can draw us away from uh, having an understanding of, of the fact that we're, uh, we need to be humble. We need to understand that all the things that we do, all the things that we're able to accomplish, all the uh, the the things that, that we have come from God. And nowhere is that more evident than in the life of Israel as they were coming out of uh, uh, slavery, as they were uh, leaving Egypt, and as they were coming into the Promised Land. In Deuteronomy chapter 8, uh, Moses is, is giving them his final uh, words before God takes him into uh, and uh, uh, before they go into the promised land. And God tells Israel through Moses, says, look, you're going to come into uh, this place. You're going to come into the promised land that I have promised your uh, forefathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He says, you're going to come and you're going to live in homes you didn't build. You're going to uh, eat from crops you didn't plant. You're going to have possessions and things that you didn't earn and, and buy because I'm giving them to you as as my desire, my, uh, my uh, uh, promised covenant with Abraham. And that's the same way with us. You, uh, so many times we we do things. We get into a job and we work hard and we uh, get promotions. We get all kinds of money. And we're able to have a lot of things. We need to realize who it is that enabled us to have that job. Who, who it's God that enabled us to have the ability to work, to the ability to earn things. Secondly, uh, economics, and that kind of goes in with that. We tend to uh, have uh, uh, within us sometimes a, a, a bit of pride over those who are able to accomplish things and have 
things that cost money and cost things. We tend to uh, have difficulty in society, no matter where it is, not just this society, but all societies of people, once they attain a lot, of looking down on those who have not yet attained. And God also spoke to Israel in that sense as well. He says, look, you need to remember where you came from. You need to remember you were once in slavery. You need to remember at once you didn't have anything at all. You need to remember that that uh, you, you didn't have anything and it's only because God gave it to them that they had. And it's the same for us. We, we came into this world without a penny, without anything that we had done. And economically, we need to understand that it's God that provides for us. It's God that that keeps us from losing everything that we have. Thirdly, there's uh, pride in uh, verbal skills, boasting, and and the ability to... uh, uh, This was something that that Paul dealt with when he was talking to uh, the Corinthians. He says, look, I could come to you and I could use all kinds of arguments and all kinds of uh, uh, abilities to say all kinds of things and convince you of every, all these uh, arguments in order to, uh, to, to uh, coerce you into accepting Christ. He says, but uh, if I was to do that, somebody would be able to come behind me and do the same thing to, keep, to pull you out. He says, you need to understand uh, the faith from your own belief. You need to have belief and faith to make that decision yourself. And Paul, uh, remember, he was trained uh, theologically uh, at the feet of Gamaliel, and he had all kinds of training. And he he says, "I I'm, I don't rely on that. I rely on the Spirit of God to move hearts, because if I just uh, was able to convince, he says, I could convince you, and you would lose that." Then there's uh, the pride of of having a particular class, of being able to to attain things and and being born. Uh, you know, oh man, what a, a, a huge example of that is. Uh, this past uh, week, as we saw uh, the world mourn the the uh, death of Prince Philip, uh, part of the. Uh, uh, royal family he's got all kinds of wealth and they've got uh family issues boy that family's messed up sometimes isn't it i mean they part of the issue is that they are born into royalty and they are all royalty and they're not expected to work but yet they all get a job to try and make it look like they're uh normal people but then when they're doing the job they don't do the real job they make it just look like they do the real job but they get out there and as to try and, and appear uh, normal, but they're all born into royal. They're treated differently because they're of a upper class. We don't have the class system in the United States like they do over in England, but uh, with royalty and everything. But but look, we we have a similar type thing in terms of people that are born into uh, the the. Uh, uh, upper class people that are able to afford the the biggest homes, the biggest uh, and the best things, because of uh, wealth that's accrued. You have people that are born into the middle class, and then you have people born into uh, the lowest economic uh, strata. Or more importantly, you wanna you wanna really put yourself in the proper place. 
uh, go to a third world country. Uh, sit in the seat of someone that is in that country, in that world, and you're sitting in a, a, a house that has a mud floor, and you're getting dental surgery done by a guy that, that's uh, not much more than a vet, and uh, or you're, uh, you're having somebody uh, pull, uh, uh, do some kind of delicate medical procedure, and the only form of protection in terms of sanitation is a garbage bag that's been split open and run up a, a, along a line uh, across the room. You'll find out real quick that we look at ourselves in a particular way in terms of class. Oh, I'd never allow somebody like that to operate on me in my teeth. I'd never allow somebody that's a doctor in those kind of circumstances. Well, that's a class pride. Then we have uh, pride of appearance in terms of the way that we uh, comport ourselves, the dress that we wear, the kind of clothes that we wear. And a lot of teenagers, a lot of people have issue with uh, uh, young people. Uh, they won't wear clothes if it doesn't have the right label. I, I remember um, uh, at one t- when I was a young person, you had to wear a certain kind of jacket that had just the right kind of flaps and the right kind of little label on, on the front of it and everything. And, and and then about ten years later, it, you were seen as as if you wore the same jacket everybody was dying to wear. You were seen as somebody that that didn't have much anything because you probably got the jacket in in a secondhand store or or uh, it, it's been sitting around for ten years and it was old. And mo- that's last year's model. That's last year's fashions. Decade ago's fashions. So we have a lot of pride in terms of appearance of what we uh, are able to, to show in terms of how we're able to do our hair or our clothes. We also have the pride of power, of, of, of position. of uh, Back when, in 2008 when the crash ha- happened and, and the bubble burst in and, and the stock market and the tech bubble and the, and the, uh, the, the uh, uh, real estate bubble burst and, and all kinds of CEOs of big businesses that had their money all wrapped up and all that kind of stuff. All of a sudden, they were out of a job and looking for work and had no ability to get a job. And a lot of them committed suicide because they were no longer a powerful, prestigious person of a, a Fortune 500 company any longer. They were, they were just regular people. They had no job, no status any longer. That can be a great source of pride. The social pride in terms of, of your standing in the community and uh, you know for a lot of uh, christians in churches that can be a great thorn within their side is is the fact that they they're seen in a certain light within the community oh we can't be known as as a family that has that in our family because what would everybody else think yeah social pride and then there's uh the pride of of even spiritual pride 
well, I've been a Christian for 50 years or I've been in, in Sunday school with perfect attendance for 30 years or 40 years, 50 years, or I, I'm, a, I'm a deacon or I'm a, 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 a pastor. I, I'm this, I'm that. I'm a Sunday school teacher. It's spiritual pride. I can't possibly be someone known as, as this. And lastly, intellectual pride. Paul, again, was a very, very uh, intelligent person, had great intelligence, but yet he said that he was willing to give up all of it, everything, so that some might know Jesus Christ. Are you willing to give up all these things that are a source of pride, your economic standing, your ability to do things, your, or your ability in terms of finances, your, uh, uh, all of these things that are a source of pride are all killers towards being humble, of a humble attitude, of a hum, humble heart. Is any of those things would prevent you from giving your heart and life to Christ? Or are any of those things keeping you from serving Christ? Oh, I, I serve God, but don't send me to a third world. I, I'll go do a missionary trip to England, or I'll go do a missionary trip to France, or somewhere like that. Don't, don't ask me to go to a third world country. That's a pride of having things a certain way. Or uh, 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 don't don't label me as this. I, I'm I'm not willing to give that up in order to to serve Christ. How? What is your posture before God? Humility. Paul, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, said that, he said, listen, he says, I first and foremost am a prisoner of the Lord. He wasn't ashamed of the fact that he was in bonds because of his testimony for Christ, because of his desire to serve God. He wasn't upset about the fact that he was a missionary, that was giving himself completely to God. He says, I am a prisoner. He was happy about the fact that he was able to give his life for Christ. I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that we walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye have been called. Vocation of being a Christian, a child of God. And with all Humility, lowliness, with humility in our heart. God will allow us to then move on to meekness. But we have to have humility to be willing to accept the, the gift. Oh, I'm already a Christian. But so many people wear that with pride rather than with the humility that really should come with that distinction. It all begins with humility. Let's pray.
Dear gracious Father, Lord, we pray that You would help us, Lord, to understand that we need to have a humble heart. Help us, Lord, to understand the, the heart posture that we need to have before You. Not just in accepting the free gift of salvation and allowing You to change our life from being in bonds to sin to being set free, but also each and every day. Every day as we walk, remember where we came from, what You've done for us, of what You've given up for us, what You've allowed us to have, what You're making us into. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.